And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Excuse me. So last week, um, I beat us up pretty good. (laughs) Some of you said, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, But really, when I say that, I'm talking about me. Uh, Even as I I wrote last week's sermon, I squirmed as I considered uh, the bigness, the vastness, the enormity of my sin. Most of us want to consider our sins uh, candy bar sized, right? (laughs) But the reality is they're all gambling sized sins. And the text told us last week in chapter one of Colossians that it's, it, it's a matter of our deceptive heart. It's the fact that we're alienated from God. We're literally cut off from him, not because of God, but because of our behavior. We become enemies of God. It's when death reigns because of our rebellion and we have this bent towards sin and self. And we come away from that saying, how, how big is our sin? And then the answer is, is cosmic big, big. Cosmic big. Yet the contrast, and I trust this is what you took home with you last week, is is that the grace of God is even bigger. No matter how big your sin is, no matter how deep your hurt is, no matter how broken your life is, God's grace is even bigger. Big grace overwhelms big sin every single time. The blood of Jesus washes away our iniquities every time single time. Big sin? Absolutely. Bigger grace? Thanks be to God. Today, as we pick up uh, Paul's words in Colossians, um, he talks about the bigness of Jesus and his love and his grace. And and, and what I'd like to do today is is talk about that big grace. Uh, How do we access access it? And what is it like? I mean, we say grace and we kind of have a picture of what that might be. But but Paul in Colossians gives us a beautiful picture of what this big grace, this big gospel, this big love looks like. And I want to walk through that with you just for a few moments this morning. The first thing we see about this big gospel is this. It's mysterious. Look at uh, Colossians 1, 25 to 29. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me, and its servant is the, is the gospel. I've become its servant by the commission of God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Now, here Paul says that there is this this cosmic mystery. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you what it is, maybe for the first time. In fact, in Ephesians, and there's large sections of Ephesians that are very similar to Colossians. Paul might have copied some of one letter and said it to the other. But, but the fact is, there, there's this idea that there's this mystery that God says, I'm going to reveal. Now, why, why the mystery? Well, in the Old Testament, um, 
I want you to take a perfect lamb and I want you to slaughter it and shed its blood on the altar and that will atone for your sins. And the people in the Old Testament went, what? Huh? Why do we do that? I mean, that sounds silly. That sounds ridiculous. And God said, just obey me. Just do what I'm telling you. Okay, just obey me. And throughout the Old Testament, there's this idea that um, there's something that God's not quite telling us. There's something he's holding back. And that something we know later was his plan for redemption, which is in Jesus Christ, the, the Lamb of God, which was slain from the foundation of the world, that perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, there's this mysterious thing about, about the sacrifices and, and the, the temple and the tabernacle and all these amazing things, and yet nobody quite knows exactly what it's all about until we get to the cross. And we get to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who died on the cross. And, and Paul said, now I want to reveal to you the mystery. And he said, there's two parts to this mystery. The first part of the mystery is this. That that, 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 that good news, that thing you've been waiting for, the redemption which is coming in the Messiah, that's not just for Jews. That's for all people. It's for Jews, it's for Gentiles and pagans. Now, Gentiles was a phrase, a, 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 a phrase that was used as religious people who are not Jews. So, Jews... Gentiles and pagans. It was for everyone. Okay, so that's part of the mystery. You're kidding, you know, people would say. Isn't this, aren't the Jews the chosen people? Aren't, aren't they the ones? And, and, and Jesus said, well, of course they're my chosen people, but so are you as believers, because you're not circumcised of the flesh, you're circumcised of the heart. And that's what it's all about. That was one of those shadows, one of those mysteries. So that's part of this mystery, that the gospel, the good news, this big grace is for everybody, not just the Jews. The second part of this mystery is this. Now, let me, before I tell you what it is, let me tell you what it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if God wanted to speak to you, he came down from heaven. He came in the form of a burning bush with Moses. He came in form of a, of a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He came in the form of the, 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 the tabernacle and, and all kinds of other forms. In Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was like the Son of Man. So God revealed himself never completely, never fully, because it was always a shadow, a mystery, right? Looking towards the cross. But all of this, God was coming down and around. And so that was good that God was around and coming down. But Paul says, I have something so much better. I have something, something so much bigger for you to know. I have something so much better than that. And you might wonder, what's better than God being around me? And he says this. Here's the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. (laughs) Not around you, as good as that would be. Not above you, as wonderful as that would be. Not below you, as nice as that would be. But Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now God is no longer on the exterior. He is on the interior. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Isn't that beautiful? Look what he says in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so they may have the full riches of complete understanding. See, now the, the veil's been lifted, right? And we see that when Christ died on the cross. In the temple, what happened? The, the veil was broken in two. They could see for the first time. Here's the answer. Jesus Christ. Here's the solution. Jesus Christ. It's not just God, but it's God in you. Jesus Christ. Here it is. So we we continue at Colossians 2. uh, In order that they may know the mystery of God. Isn't that beautiful? Namely Christ, in whom whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. All the treasures and wisdom are now in you. 
through Christ. In Ephesians 3, we read another remarkable passage about this mystery. Here's what Paul said. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Just let that sink into your soul. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And, may have, and you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of God is. Paul says, do you get this? Do you get how enormous this is? The God who created the heavens and the earth, all of the universe, that same God now lives in you. He's dwelling in your life and he's giving you his life. That word to live in, it means to dwell, to abide, to live, to take up residence in. How great is that? I remember when, uh, I, I forget which of our children it was, I think it was Tyler, but uh, when they were little and we would talk to the children about, and Sherry had the privilege of leading uh, our children to the Lord, and, uh, and, and when she would talk about, we would talk to them constantly about that Jesus wants to live in your heart. And I remember one of them said, I don't know if it was Tyler or Nathan, but one of them said, um, if, if God is so big, then how can he live in my chest? You know, how can he live in my chest? And that is, it's a mystery. And the fact is that God has said by his spirit, he will dwell in you as you trust in him. How big is this gospel? It is absolutely mysterious. And every time you see the word mystery in the New Testament, think Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The gospel is big. It is mysterious. But the gospel is something else. It is liberating. It is liberating. Look at this text from Colossians chapter 2. And this is a beautiful, beautiful text. Let me read that for you. Uh, Verses uh, 6 through 10. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through the hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. This great gospel, this great salvation, it's liberating. You have been set free. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from the bondage of good works. Free from the bondage of performance. Free from the bondage of finding X. When you, in the equation, Jesus plus X equals fulfillment. Freedom from finding the X because there is no X. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Here's a definition. Slavery is living your life to gain favor. Real freedom is knowing you already have favor. The difference is huge. The Colossians were trying to find favor by the X. Well, Jesus plus circumcision. That must be the answer. Or Jesus plus angels. Now that must be the answer. Jesus plus religious holidays. That must be. Because Jesus can't possibly be enough. We are set free from the notion that you can do anything in your own strength to please God. Uh, in, our, in our small group a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the gals in our small group shared how that 
She grew up Catholic, and when she was 16 years of age, her father passed away. And she had a very devout uh, aunt who was very uh, into the religion. And um, at the funeral, the aunt said to this teenage girl, well, how are you doing? And she said, of course, well, I I miss daddy. I'm sad, but but I'm glad that he's he's in heaven. I'm glad that he's in a better place. And she said, oh, no, dear. No, no, no. he's, He's in purgatory. You have to pray that he will get out of purgatory into heaven. Jesus plus prayer equals something. Jesus plus purgatory equals something. Jesus plus I've got to be a good little girl is something. No, Jesus and Jesus alone is the answer. Bondage is when there's something else that I have to do to please Christ. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Yesterday, uh, we had a wonderful event at church. We uh, showed the film Sex Plus Money on uh, domestic uh, sex trafficking among minor girls in our United States, in our United States, not in the world. And as we showed that we had a panel discussion afterwards, and it was a beautiful panel, uh, a, a, a police officer, Phoenix police officer, two people from Streetlight, and then a guy by the name of Bo, who I, I've become friends with, who um, is, uh, grew up in San Fernando Valley uh, in the whole porn district. That's where most of the porn is made, in San Fernando Valley. And his mom and dad were both in the porn business, and this kid grew up, and that was normal. And he said, I didn't discover that there was some other normal besides porn in my life until I was a young man. And even then I had a struggle because all my life was about uh, porn is going to fill that need inside of me. Sexuality is going to fill that need inside of me that nothing else can fill. And it's just maybe the next thing that I do or experience or see that will fill that need. And Bo said yesterday that he said, finally, I knew I didn't. I never knew freedom until I was free from porn. You can fill in the blank. I never knew freedom until I was free from performancism or the idea that I've got to succeed or anything else. I've never been free until I've experienced that. Jesus Christ said, I am big enough to set you free. I don't care what you're in bondage to. I don't care what you struggle with. I am big enough and vast enough and loving enough to set you free. Free indeed. The big gospel. Some of us need to recognize that even without saying it, we have attached something to Jesus. Jesus plus anything that we have come to believe will satisfy us. But the testimony of God's word today is very clear to us from not only Colossians, but also Galatians as well. Brothers and sisters in Christ, please hear this. You have been set free. Live like it. You have been set free. Christ has done the work. Live like it. Live in that mysterious, liberating joy of being set free from performancism or Christ plus anything is what will satisfy me. It is liberating. I want want to close with one last thing. Not only is this big gospel mysterious, and not only is it liberating, but please hear this. It's final. It is final. Listen to second, Colossians chapter 2, 13 to 15. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not cut away. There's that circumcision reference again. 
your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed, listen to this, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Paul here gives three pictures of the finality of the gospel. The first picture is that of a dead man. A dead man, uh, dead because of his own sins. We've all been there. We've all walked there. We've all lived there. A dead man, recognizing that our sin, not somebody else's sin, but our sin has caused us to be dead. We're like a walking zombie. One of a, a very disturbing but outstanding film, probably 10, 15 years old, uh, is called Dead, Men, Dead Man Walking, Sean Penn, Susan Sarandon. Uh, it's not for the weak of heart, but it is a powerful movie about redemption. How this Catholic nun was trying to help this guy who was a murderer recognize his own sin and make that, 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 that prayer, say that prayer before he was killed. And you could just see in that final sea of the moon, he's moving, he's just kind of shuffling through the hallway. And the guard, as he's escorting him, and this is what they still do to this day, he hollers as loud as he can, dead man walking. He's going to the chair. He's going to the fatal, the fatal injection. He's, he's going to be killed. Dead man walking. That's the way people are if they're outside of Christ. Six billion people on this planet. Dead men and, men and women walking. The Christ said, I will make you alive. You will never die again. Your sins will be buried. Jeremiah 20, 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin and I will remember them no more. Is that a promise for you? That God will remember your sin no more? Now, you know how I love cats. Well, there's a 10-year-old boy who wanted to be a pastor someday and when he grew up. And one day, the family's black cat died. God love it. And um, the boy had an opportunity to practice some preaching, so he thought he would do a funeral for the cat. And so he got a shoebox, put the cat in it, but he couldn't quite stuff the tail in the box, so he put a hole in the top of it and let the fluffy tail out and and then buried it in a shallow grave and had his friends gather around him and shed a short sermon and a prayer, and, and that was the end of it. Well, when the service was over, he noticed that the tail was still kind of sticking out of the grave, you know. And so every couple of days, he, his curiosity got the better of him. He went over and he kind of tugged on the tail, and he literally pulled the cat right out of the ground. It was a shallow grave. And he did this two or three times until you know what's coming. Um, he pulled on the tail, and the tail just came off, right? And then the cat stayed buried for the last time. Now, that's a silly story, but it is so true. How many of you are still pulling on the tail of your sin? Still yanking on the, God, I did this and I did this and I don't know how you can forgive me and it's terrible. And look what I did and I'm going to unbury it again and look at the, God said this so clearly, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Why should we remember it? If God doesn't remember it, the finality of the death of the old nature, the death of our sins, buried, never remembered. God says, stop pulling on the tail. But there's another metaphor here. It's called debt owed. Not only a dead man, that picture, but the picture of debt owed. In verse 14, it says that our debts 
Uh, it canceled the record of charges. Okay, that's the phrase in the text, verse 14. Canceled the record of charges. Now, in the original language, that means uh, that a record of charges means a charge list. It's like an IOU. And it lists all of the sins that you've committed, all of the sins, secret acts, thoughts of acts of selfishness, all the times you've said no to God, no, 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 no. All of that, it, it's listed on this, this charge list. And, and the text says that it's been, it's been canceled. It's been wiped out. The charge list doesn't exist anymore. Now, in the ancient culture, in the time of Jesus, uh, the substance on which the ancient documents, including debts or charge lists, were written was um, on papyrus or vellum and um, it, various forms of animal skins. Very expensive. And sometimes the scribes, in order to um, save, uh, you know, write on something because it was so expensive, they had to decide what to do with that old vellum or that old papyrus. But here's the deal. The ancient ink had no acid in it. So when you would write uh, ink on this uh, vellum or this papyrus, it, the ink would lay on the surface instead of biting into the surface and being absorbed. So it would just kind of lay on top of the surface. So the scribe, to save a papyrus, would take a sponge in a water and he would wipe it off. And that's exactly what that text means when it says Jesus blotted out the charge list. It's gone. It's gone as if it never existed. Never to be seen or retrieved. Never to be pulled out of the ground. Wiped clean. Now in Canada, they do something interesting. For certain crimes, not for heinous crimes, but for certain crimes... If you're, let's say, in prison for life, uh, if you have 12 years of good behavior, uh, your records are destroyed, uh, wiped out. Your charge list is destroyed. That's good. I've got something better. <laughs> 12 years? How about eternity? Hebrews 8:12 says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. There's a last picture of the finality of the gospel. And it's this. And you probably maybe didn't even realize this, some of you. Verse 15. The devil was disarmed. Did you know that? Sometimes we, we know that the devil's active in the world today. His goal is to take as many people to hell with him as he possibly can. We, we know that. And we know that this is the God, he's the God of this world and all of that. But did you know that when it comes to the believer, he has been disarmed? He's been neutered. All of the evil powers in the universe that are bent on ruining men and women, the demonic forces that say Jesus is not enough, that your sins are unforgivable, and that the devil himself whispers in your ear, you're not good enough for God. All of that was destroyed. It was disarmed. It was removed. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that it took the sting out of death. It removed the grave. It took away the authority. Now, the devil still can whisper in your ear, of course, but he has no authority over your life. None. Sometimes we give him too much credit. He is neutered. He is emasculated. He is defeated by the power of the cross. And it says even that he was shamed. The devil was shamed when Jesus died on the cross. You know why? Because the devil thought it was wonderful that Jesus was being killed. He didn't see the big picture. That the very thing that the devil liked, Jesus dying on the cross, God took that and made it the most powerful, redemptive story in the history of the world. The gospel is 
mysterious. Christ has set you free. Christ is living in me. The gospel is liberating. Christ has set you free. And the gospel is final. Because your sin is dead, your debt is paid, and the devil is disarmed. So here's the question as we close today. How big is your Jesus? Is he big enough for you? Is he big enough to take care of your brokenness, your broken heart, your sin? How big is Jesus to you? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we know that um, your love and your grace is big. We just don't know how big. We don't recognize the enormity of it, that, that literally, um, as we are walking around on this earth dead, you want to make us alive, never to die again. That you want to uh, give us that hope and that uh, excitement and that joy of knowing Christ and following him recognizing, Lord, that you are a God who is big enough not only to save us, but to set us free. Father, there are people here today that need to be set free. They're still pulling on the the old life, the old sin. They're still trying to yank up some of the old stuff. And God, you just need to allow us to give you our past and to recognize that we are no longer dead and dead men and women walking. We have been set free by the power of Jesus Christ. We have been set free. Lord, may that Truth permeate our lives and our hearts today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you have not called us to good works. You have called us to a grace that is bigger than anything we can do or accomplish or say. The grace of God, how wide and how deep is the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you. And Lord, I pray if there are those here today who are not set free, that by faith they would simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you desperately. Set me free. Set me free by the power of the cross. Set me free. Lord, thank you for your joy. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for your purpose. And thank you that you have set us free. Not only now, but tomorrow, the future, and for always. We have been set free. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.